One last announcement really that I have is this is uh, I'm gonna actually call Scott and Susie. Will you guys please come up to the stage? By the way, Susie wants to stab me right now. This is her favorite thing is to come up on stage. And I'm gonna invite our TAM members. These are the leaders uh, that are part of uh, the ministry here that kind of make this happen. They're gonna come on up. But 18 years ago, in a few months, um, Celebrate Recovery got birthed here at Celebrate Recovery at Big Valley. It started at Saddleback, and they went to a conference, came back, and said, we need to start this. So 18 years ago, Scott and Susie, who had been in ministry for a few years, ministering to singles, really had an opportunity to impact um, a deeper, deeper issues than just the surface issues. And they did that through Celebrate Recovery. And... Uh, They've made a huge impact. I remember the group started small, uh, 50 or so. Is that about right? 50, 30, something like that, small. And uh, I remember it in the ARC, and I remember going to my first open share group, which all we had was chemical addiction for the addicts, and I was the lone sex addict in the room. Awkward. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. Shortly thereafter, we grew into a, we had a sex addiction group. We had a codependent group. Then shortly thereafter that, we started to get some other groups for some of the the women groups, and it just started to grow and multiply. Started to grow. We moved from we moved out of there into the fireside room, from the fireside room across the way to the venue, which is now where the landing uh, meets. And we were in there. We even uh, invested time and energy for two years going to Dallas, Texas, roughing it on all the barbecues. The only trips I've ever been in Dallas where I ate barbecue every meal. It was awesome. Um. I had the meat sweats, and no, I'm just kidding, I did not, but that would have been awesome too. Um, but here's the deal is we went there, and the Lord blessed the investment, and just to see us move out of the venue into here, and it doesn't matter about how, how big the group is, it matters by the number of lives that have been transformed and changed because of their faithfulness. And so uh, we got a few gifts for you, uh, we'd like to give, give it to you, and uh, Sue's going to get you that gift. <laughs> Let me drop kick it right through. Yes, oh. drop kick it. Right. Okay. So one of the things that Scott, uh, he was a great rugby player. I got in your way, sorry, of that picture. Um, a great rugby player, great rugby ref and um, in his previous life. And one of the stories in this training in, in Texas is a story, and we've used the illustration here, is on the rugby field as you're running down the field, uh, your teammates are running alongside you and they're saying with you with you, with you on the left, with you on the right, letting you know that they're there for you. They're there for help. And uh, just to let him know um, his TAM is with him and you guys are with him. And so one big count, when I count to three, let's all yell with you. One, two, three, with you. And uh, so that is awesome. Another thing that we did as a church is uh, we gathered pictures and letters and we wanted to present this to you a great book that you guys can take with you on your journey. Not only are you with you in your, our prayers, but uh, now you have to take that with you. Um, and now you're gonna have to look at our ugly mugs. <laughs> It'll be awesome. So in your times of travel, I'm, I'm, I'm not in there. No, my ugly mug is not in there. Um, so I just, I just thank you guys for that. I appreciate you. There, my ugly mug is in there. It's like the yearbook where they go through and they poke the eyes out and draw the funny faces. You can't draw a beard on me. I already got it. (laughs) 
So, but anyhow, what I wanna do now is as a team of us just saying, hey, thank you for your chapter, your faithfulness to the Lord. I wanna just uh, take time to pray and say thank you and pray for you guys as you guys uh, head out on this journey, wherever it may take you. Mojave Desert, wherever, I don't know. I just stuck on Mojave Desert. I don't know why. It's pretty gnarly, but hey, have fun. Um, by the way, Scott is always cold. I shared, an, I had an office next to him and I'd walk into his office and I swear it was a sweat lodge. I was like, I wanted to wear shorts. I'd start cuffing up my pants. I would like, it was brutal. And he's sitting there with the heater on and a shawl. He had a shawl in his office. Now stop it. Okay, he didn't have the shawl, but... I did have a blanket in case he needed it, but anyhow. But I'm gonna ask Beatrice and Josh to pray for you mm. and uh, the team, will you gather around them and just lay your hands on them and let's pray for them. Mm. Heavenly Father, we just wanna praise you, God. And we're all standing here because at some point, Lord, you touched our hearts. Thank you that you are so wonderful and that you would even care, Lord. Mm-hmm for each and every one of us in this room. And I just want to thank you for Scott and Susie and their willingness to hear that calling in their lives. Thank you for the many Tuesdays that they have just showed up to share their experience, their strength, and the hope. Lord, would you bless them? And would you take that experience, strength, and hope all over the country, Lord? Mm -hmm. Would they continue to spread the message of you? And Lord, I just pray that... um, you would just keep them safe on the road. Lord, Scott is going in an RV. Thank you that Susie has the tools of recovery to deal with that. And would you just bless their marriage, God, during this time of transition? And would they just be fortified and re-strengthened, Lord, um, in this next phase of their lives? And I just want to, again, just praise you, Lord, because what we see in them, Lord, you have for each and every one of us because you are that good. We love you, Lord. And we just thank you for this sweet time with them in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Lord, um, you've called us to be faithful, to be servants. You've called us to, to love. You've called us to give grace. And, um, these two share that example. Share that example for each one of us. They're not perfect. (laughs) Yet, so many of us think that they've been only there for us (laughs) because they've served served so many of us uh, in in many different ways, mentors, counselors, and uh, great wisdom we've heard over the years. So thank you for the faithful journey of this couple. Would you continue to provide opportunities for them in the RV that they can spread recovery wherever they go and uh, the hope of Jesus Christ that is alive and well. And so, Lord, go before them and on to their next journey. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. You guys can head back down. Um, So those of you that may have picked up on it is... uh, You you do have your mic. Okay, good. Um, He's going to get an RV and they're going to travel the country. So... You ever see that movie, RV? I picture more of uh, Christmas Vacation. Um, You're standing out by the gutter, emptying, 
The tanks. I haven't seen either movie. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I don't know what else to do with this guy. I tried to influence him for that many years. Nothing. Not a, it's not the notebook. I apologize. I apologize. So, but hey, after that, I know he's emotional. And uh, now we said, hey, share your testimony. So pray for him. And I'm sure he'll have moments of tears. But uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Love Thank you. you. Love everybody. Thank you. You only knew how much I love rugby. Uh, that's a great gift. Thank you. Let me pray. Lord, this is all about you. Would you get the glory? Would uh, everybody here get something from you out of this story? Because it really is your story. And um, Would they believe it and uh, live it and rejoice in it and uh, grow closer to you through it? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hello, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ who's in recovery from alcohol and drugs, and my name is Scott. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Today, I'm a believer who is grateful that I'm in recovery from addiction. Here's why. Psalm 103, the word of God. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As I share my story tonight, may you hear the hope and power in God's benefits so that you might consider what he has to say to you through my story. Psalm 34, 14 says this, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This verse is the story of my life, my recovery testimony verse. Like every human being ever born, I long to be loved for whom I, who I am and then find the resulting peace that love will bring. I began very early learning I ha- how I had to perform to receive my parents' love. Because it took this false performance, instead of peace, I became an anxious little boy and then a very anxious man. Fear and anxiety became my masters and thus my pursuit of peace through the world's methods would end up nearly destroying me and everyone who loved me. I grew up in a home that was very much post-World War II, leave it to beaver home. You ever heard of that? Probably not. But um, (laughs) everything looked very pretty on the outside, but inside there were family secrets. This home, which on the outside looked so nice, was ruled by my father's rage and unpredictable moods. Each of us had but one choice, to both behave and feel properly, or you received some kinds of instant punishment. Very early, this taught me that I had to hide from myself and these feelings that were so real but must be bad, or why would he treat me that way? I learned that the single best way I could find to control my dad's anger was to run. I ran by pretending I was someone different than I was while at home, but I also ran as I began to rebel and act out at a very young age when I was away from home. I began living two very separate lives. In the midst of all this, a major part of my home life included perfect church attendance and involvement on Sundays, but I never received Jesus as a child. As I grew up, my dual life continued to grow in its magnitude. In eighth grade, I got drunk for the first time, and it was to be a life-changing experience. As I drank alcohol, my anxiety floated away and was replaced by a newfound, quote-unquote, liquid courage. Remember Psalm 34, seek peace and pursue it? Alcohol gave me some level of temporary peace, 
So it was easy to predict why I began to look forward to the peace it provided. Sadly, a side effect of alcohol and its false peace was that I began to act out in new ways, becoming more and more of a juvenile delinquent in my private life, all the while continuing the performance in my home, church, and school. To those in authority, I became the performer, the good little boy getting good grades to start sports, memorizing the books of the Bible at church, and keeping that pretty image up about the Miller family. As I reached adolescence, a series of defining moments occurred. Within a week of my 16th birthday, my mother came into my bedroom and offered me the first choice of my life as an adult, as she called it. Now, 52 years later, I remember it like it was yesterday. She said, Scott, you're 16 now, and your dad and I believe you're old enough to decide for yourself whether you want to go to church anymore. Well, looking back now, it's not very hard to understand why my decision was to rebel against my parents' authority with this newfound and freely offered freedom. Already being a rebel in my life away from home, I immediately chose to rebel from what I knew they wanted. This was very empowering. I walked away from God and the church without looking back. I would not go back to the church of my youth for 25 years. Little could I have known what lay in store as simultaneously my life began a downward spiral. That was scary in hindsight, even though I was totally unable to see it at the time. Within months... Another defining moment in my existence occurred, and little did I know the impact it would have on my life. I had my wisdom teeth out. Being healthy, I'd never been to a doctor beyond my yearly physical, so I didn't know what to expect when my parents told me I was going to have a dental operation. But boy, do I remember waking up. I remember coming to consciousness, and I was filled with new, very intense feelings. Feelings of warmth and peace that I now know as drug-induced euphoria were running through my body. I felt so wonderful that I confused those feelings with the love that I had never found before. I remember literally feeling in love with the world, even the pillow I was lying on. Looking back, little did I understand how those feelings that the pain narcotics brought into my world would become life-changing to me. Soon, I would learn the hard way how worldly things that we see in the moment as solutions actually have the power to become our biggest problems. So it was to become with me. It was 1968, a different era for a 16-year-old than today, and I was not at my point in my life when it even crossed my mind to pursue opiates. But being 1968, right at that time, one of my friends handed me my first joint. The first time I smoked pot, I now know I was instantly addicted. Marijuana and the temporary relief of anxiety and pain it provided would become my drug of choice for the next two years. A couple of years later, when I was 18, I found myself on the streets, and in the next few years, my life would become a total pursuit of alcohol and drugs to both have fun, but more deeply to seek peace and pursue it through easing the pain and anxiety that was the master of my life if I was not high. Now, out on my own, hanging out with other addicts, I, was quick, I quickly found my drug of choice, heroin. In a matter of days, I was shooting Dilaudid and heroin every day. At 19, I found myself homeless and addicted to heroin, which, just like the day I had had my wisdom teeth out, brought me the closest to feeling re- really no emotional pain. Make no mistake, there is a very sick coincidence that opiates are called painkillers. They kill you physically and emotionally. Spiritually, I began to deny the existence of God. I became a proclaimed atheist. I became a loner, running from all relationships unless I was high, and no longer even thinking about the wreckage my choices were causing. I became a nomad. 
I ran as far as I could from my emotional pain through the alcohol and drugs, but I also ran as far as I could from the pain of my home moving to Alaska. God used this experience to begin to change me slowly. In Alaska, I began to gain some sense of value because on the pipeline where I worked, I stayed sober because I worked 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But as soon as I hit Fairbanks with all that money, it was a party like I'd never known before. After three years of living there and making what seemed like a fortune on the pipeline, I moved to Denver, Colorado. This began a season of my life that I now call my love. Love enters my life era. I got a great job working with handicapped adults and children, which began to soften my heart and get me in touch with those deeply forbidden feelings that I'd run from for so long. At this job, I met a wonderful, respectable woman named Susie, who was actually one of the bosses of the large organization I was working for. I fell in love with her, and while she loved the wild side of me, which included the drugs and alcohol, I also began to present my false front to her because I knew she couldn't possibly love the real me. In Denver, I learned how to live as a functional addict. I had quit shooting drugs and moved on to pharmaceuticals and anything else I could smoke, drink, snort, or eat, and I was still needing something on a daily basis. Sadly, I was oblivious to the control these drugs had over me and the fact that they really did not even make me feel very good anymore. Alcohol and painkillers were my drugs, and like every addict, I had to find a supply, and opiates were not available like they are today. Like every drug addict, I had multiple scams to supply my ever-increasing demand. I was now a classic functional addict. To everyone, I looked and was fine, maybe even better than fine. I presented myself so well. A supposed good father, husband, successful businessman, and athlete, I had everyone fooled, especially myself. Denying the truth that while those fronts were important, the most important truth in my life had become, this is crazy, having those pills in my pocket so that I knew the relief from pain and anxiety was coming that day. If I had a few days' supply on hand, I was at peace. And if I was running short, I was focused on the number one mission of every addict, figuring out how to get more. And of course, my need was ever increasing. Then one day, in one moment of time, the truth hit me like a ton of bricks. I had a panic attack when I actually accepted that I was out of control, breaking the law, and I was going to get caught, and my greatest fears realized. When this truth actually hit me, it took a long time, I can still see it in my mind's eye. I can tell you where I stand. I was standing in my bedroom in Colorado, and the fear literally froze me as I faced the truth that I could not live without drugs. I knew I had no hope of stopping on my own, but I could not keep doing what I was doing without getting caught and exposed for what I'd always had been, unlovable, a fraud, a hypocrite, and a liar. And out of that intense and paralyzing fear, without even thinking about it, I cried out a prayer to a God that I did not even believe existed. Two weeks later, November 30th, 1990, God answered my prayer, but it was not as I would have chosen. I was arrested. All my greatest fears were realized. The house of cards that was my life became tumbling down. I found out the greatest fear of my life was losing my family and my freedom by going to jail. I had no choice but face that if I did not change, I was headed towards losing both. Miraculously, within weeks, for unrelated reasons, I lost my job. I was at the lowest point of my life. This was my rock bottom. 
The courts ordered me into therapy, rehab through AA and NA, and mandatory drug testing. I went to both individual and group therapy sessions for a year. I must tell you that I hated going to meetings at that time. I hated people. I hated everyone. I hated people who talked about how sobriety was a positive thing. I hated people who introduced themselves like I did tonight as a grateful addict. I did not want it or think it was possible for me at that time. But because I had no options that I could figure out at least, I kept coming back. I listened in my anger and I began to work the program as I was instructed. I found myself praying my first consistent prayers of my life while holding hands at the end of meetings, praying the Lord's Prayer from Scripture with a bunch of drunks like me. Thank you, Jesus. I kept it so simple because that's all I could do. I did 90-90 because they told me to. I got a sponsor because they told me to. Uh, I, I continued to go at least five meetings a week for a year because they told me I had to. I worked the steps because they told me to. I got into service because my sponsor told me to. And as I kept it simple and followed the advice of those in the room, something began to happen. Within the first few months, I reached the fourth and fifth steps. And here I came face to face for the first time in my life with the real me. This first time was massive in my life because I had lived in denial and duplicity for over 20 years. And to really face who I was and admit it to myself, to God, and another human being, it blew me away. It was so powerful because for the first time I quit being, at least in a moment, two different people and faced who I really was. As painful as this was, it was equally enlightening and powerful. Over time, God taught, brought me a good job. And for the first time in my life, I found myself operating with a sound and sober mind. God began to really bless me, but God was still just a higher power as I understood him. He was not personal. I continued to go to meetings regularly as I traveled for my new job. But I did stop short of doing the work of the eighth and ninth steps where the real promises of recovery are found. So I was still filled with anxiety, and I had not really learned the tools of healthy relationships found in those steps. I was quickly promoted in my new position, and in 1994, I transferred from Colorado to California. Through a miraculous set of circumstances, our family chose to live in Modesto. Then through another miraculous set of circumstances, we began going to church at Big Valley Grace. We quickly felt at home and loved here. And it was here in September 1994 that I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Two weeks later, I was baptized in the Stanislaus River. And that was just 27 short years ago, September 25th, 1994. What a miraculous difference Christ has made in this short amount of time. I had received the eternal gift of my salvation, but any peace was very temporary. I was still very much struggling with many areas of my life, and fear and anxiety still ruled in my inner being. Since I'd never really experienced it, I still had no idea how to find peace. Then one day, through a sermon, right here again, the Lord spoke to me, and I'd had enough. I was frustrated. God said, give it all to me. He said, you've given me your addiction, but I want it all. I want your family, I want your finances, I want your house, I want your career, I want your fears, and I want your anxiety. Basically, he was saying, I know I'm your Savior, now I want to be your Lord. 
I said a quiet but deeply profound and heartfelt prayer and told him, yes, Lord, you can have it all. I give up. And he, in his miraculous way, was faithful to his promises. And the first, for the first time in my life without drugs, I received what I'd always been pursuing, peace. I now know it was at that moment I had for the first time worked the most important of all steps, the third, the power step, the peace step. I turned my life and my will over to the care of God, Jesus Christ. I had surrendered. The peace this produced was a peace that was unknown to me before. It was a pure peace, a natural peace, a spiritual, deep in my soul peace. Practically, wow, did my life begin to change at a rate that is absolutely unbelievable to me, even to this day. This spiritual experience of finding peace was so profound to me, I was on fire. I found my pastor after that service and told him I had to see him. He told me to come in the next day. He was pretty nonplussed. And he, I t- came in and I told him of my experience. In response, he simply drew, pulled out a yellow pad and threw out and laid out a three-year plan for my growth as a Christian. I told Jesus that I would do anything and everything he asked if he would just let me know clearly what it was. It was four very short months later when my pastor called me into his office and asked me if I'd ever thought about becoming a pastor. Talk about blown away. You've heard my story. You would have had to been inside my head to know how blown away I was. During the interview process, I was honest with the senior leadership about my past and who I was, and they either were not listening or they did not care because they hired me. On October 1st, 1996, just two years and five days after my baptism as a brand new believer, and one month shy of six years sober, I went to work at one of the great churches in America as a paid ministry leader. And 18 months after completing the licensure process, I was given my license as a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Forget not all his benefits. Friends, as you look at me and hear my story today, if you hear nothing else, I say, please hear this. I am you. I don't know what you see today. I'm no different than any one of you here tonight. Some of you may think I'm worse now that you know my story. (laughs) I'm a recovering addict who has turned my life and my will over to the care of the only true higher power, Jesus Christ. May you not forget his benefits. In the past 27 very short years, one day at a time, he has healed me in so many ways. I've now worked the eight to nine steps where the promises of recovery are found. And I've cleaned up the wreckage of all my broken relationships. And today I know how to forgive. And as far as it depends on me to live at peace with all men. By far his greatest benefit is that through his love, he's been faithful to my family. Today Susie and I have a wonderful relationship And both of my boys are following the Lord as successful pastors themselves. And they and their wonderful wives have each given us three grandchildren. It can't get much better than that. Um, Through learning to apply a daily 11 step, where I seek through prayer and meditation to improve my relationship with him, continuing daily surrender, seeking only the knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry it out, I have an incredible, personally encouraging relationship with the God who made me, saved me, and continues to reward me with all his benefits. Physically, he heals all your diseases, 
the promise. Physically, God has healed me completely from hepatitis C, which I got from shooting heroin, and I did not even get sick from the chemo like so many do. I could go on and on, but I have to have that he's allowed me to find fulfillment of my quest to seek peace. Today, feelings are not my enemy. They allow me to know I'm fully alive and no longer to run from them or to let them control and master me. Eighteen years ago, God had Susie and I begin to celebrate recovery here. And in that short amount of time, it has miraculously become one of the most successful ministries of its kind in the world because of each of you. God has used it to change the very face of Big Valley Grace in this city. But much more importantly, he is using it to reach people so he can change their lives just as he did ours. Miraculously, God opened doors for me to serve as a state rep for Celebrate Recovery for almost a decade and to help over 50 churches plant or consider planting Celebrate Recoveries throughout this valley. And today, as I leave Big Valley Grace, Susie and I will continue to serve and be connected as the Celebrate Recovery International Representatives to the nation of India and Nepal, where we are sharing the gospel through Celebrate Recovery to the nations with the largest groups of non-believers left on this planet. In recovery, I continue to learn the tools for a healthy life. I'm learning more about my codependency, as every addict should, at least me, and how it is my choice to give up my peace, almost always by trying to control things only God can control, be it circumstances or more often when I give my peace away to another person who's bringing their own struggles into my life. I'm also learning I'm never a victim, never. God is sovereign. I'm the one making the choices to allow people and circumstances to impact me the way they do. To the newcomer, I give this most important advice. Please, just keep it simple and keep coming back. So there can be no mistake. What does that mean to keep coming back? Well, go to meetings, get a sponsor, work the steps, and get into service. It can't be put more simply. As for me, my story can be put quite simply. True story. I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was blind, and now I see. Not that long ago, I was a lost and hopeless drug addict. The pain and fear this produced caused me to pray a prayer for relief to a God I did not even believe existed. That God, who very much did exist, then brought me into AA, and then AA brought me the 12 steps, and they brought me to God, and then God brought us to CR. Today, with Jesus Christ as my guide and all of you in recovery with me as my supports, I no longer fear who I really am and what I'm feeling. I can stand in front of you and tell you I now know the truth and he has set me free. Today, I find the true peace that surpasses understanding in so many places other than drugs. Since I'm loved, I find it first and foremost in my relationship with God, the only true source. This peace is not constant, nor is it necessarily even every day, but it is enough for today, one day at a time. And today I possess the tools of recovery which allow me to seek it and find it through its real source, God, not the world and its temptations. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And he is faithful, people. He is done more than I could ever ask or imagine through his power at work in me as he has changed me. He took that man who had nothing but anger towards people who said there was a God and that the God worked for them through this program and he made me one of those people who now shares this so you might believe it's possible. 
No matter where you are today in your recovery, from wherever your life's pain is, may all of God's benefits not be forgotten. Tonight, might his benefits in and through my life miraculously give you encouragement, strength, and hope that the transformation we all seek within our souls, that only a God that loves you can offer, is available to you through these same sources. He promises you they are, and he never lies. Thank you for letting me share. I love you, man. <laughs> That's America. Look at that. That's incredible. That's you, man. <laughs> or us. It's gonna be it was you. you. It was you, man. Man. Look around you. This is a miracle. You're all a miracle. This doesn't happen. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's awesome. And the future's bright. Make no mistake. May this not be a sad day. This is a rejoicing day. So you got incredible team. You got incredible leader. The best days are ahead of you. Trust me. They really are. We're already, we're already seeing them. So, yeah. We're going to miss you. Here's the thing. The great news is he's not dead. Don't have time for any song. No, we're going to do a song. Don't worry. He's not dead. He's just moving. We're bringing him back. We're 18 years into this thing. At least in two years, we know you're coming back for the 20-year anniversary. So that's going to be huge. Huge, huge. Um, uh, one, of the things, one of the things that we did in our early days is uh, we would sing a lot of different songs. One was Days of Elijah. But then when we got done hearing a testimony, what we would do is we'd stand and hold hands. And if you feel comfortable holding hands, feel free to hold hands. If you don't, um, I get it. You don't have to. I totally get it in the season that we're in. But the reason why we hold hands is a symbol to show that we're not in this journey alone, but that we are uh, together. And uh, when we do the one another's and when we realize that we reach out and uh, help others out, that there is great joy and uh, there's great success. And so one of the things we got to do is we got to lean on each other. So let's sing this song together. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, we're holding hands. Putting the mic down. I love this song. Oh uh-huh.
It's awesome. Hey, so check this out. We are not done yet. We are going to say the serenity prayer. Go to group and after group, we're going to have free dessert tonight. Free dessert for you guys. All right. So uh, as we're standing, let's close with the serenity prayer. And uh, it goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Amen, amen. First time guests right across the hallway. Second time guests right up front. Scott and Susie will be around afterwards for you guys to tell them how much you love them. Love you guys. See you after group.